if you really want to have a big impact, you need to focus on where the big demand is. And the big demand is going to be people that aren't going to buy from you right away. So here's a big question. As a digital marketer, how can we accelerate our business with extreme momentum without all the turbulence and time suck? And how do we do it in a way that changes the lives of everyone around us? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Chad Kaderi, CEO of Dashclicks, and welcome to Marketer's Mindset. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the Marketer's Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel. And today we are joined by no none other than Decker Fraser from Bangkok, Thailand. Did I get that right? You got it. And Decker Fraser is a marketing teacher with over 170,000 students worldwide. That's six digits right there. Decker, welcome. Yeah, nice to be here. Good. We're going to jump right into it. So I hope you're ready for this. Oh, what, ready. what is it that you actually do and how do you generate revenue? I teach online courses and I generate revenue when people buy the courses. I also do some part-time consulting and I just get paid hourly for that in most cases. Is that pretty much as simple as it gets? That's as simple as it gets. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, what year did you start your company? Uh, it's, it's not really a formal company. I mean, I did have a corporation for a while, but I mean, I've been doing this part-time for as long as I've been working pretty much. <laughs> wow. So you definitely are an expert. Mm -hmm. um, how many team, do you have any team members or do you currently, if you have any team members, what's kind of the breakdown? What does that look like? Uh, so I have an assistant, an executive assistant in the Philippines who works with me. I have a number of quasi freelance marketers that work with me. Uh, I have somebody in Africa that's working with me. I have uh, an intern. So it's kind of wow. a semblance of, of freelancers around the world. Wow. And then there's full-time employees with companies that I consult with too, that uh, mm -hmm. I mentor or advise on execution. What's your favorite platform you use for communication? Uh, I, I use email a lot. I would say I prefer like LinkedIn, actually. Most people don't, but I like LinkedIn messages. Oh, like you, ma you manage your team via LinkedIn messages? Yeah, I send messages through LinkedIn, sometimes through Facebook, but I prefer oh. to keep LinkedIn as the professional. A lot of people use Slack, but Slack gets complicated when you're working with multiple companies because then you yeah. have to log in each program. So they, you know, if you're with one company, Slack's fine. I think you're the first person I've ever heard say that they use LinkedIn as a team-like management system. That's really, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very strange. I even have <laughs> friends that only talk to me on LinkedIn, like personal friends that I know that, that I met in person. Well, I know when we met, you're like, hit me up on LinkedIn. It'll be better. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a little put off when professional people reach out to me on Facebook because the content on my Facebook is not, not the same. So. Well, you know, it was funny. Like, I am... Um, I found you through Udemy because I feel like that's a good resource to find like valid people in the industry. And the only thing I could find of you was through Facebook. And uh, well, I better, I better change that. That might, that <laughs> might be a good idea. All right. How um, I did that one. How many active clients do you have? Or we kind of went this over because you, you basically sell courses. So you have students since, I guess what I'm trying to say is how, do you have any, 
do you have any clients besides students that you serve? Or if it's just based on um, courses, you're essentially just putting courses. How often do you put courses out? Uh, I don't have a regular cadence, but uh, maybe I put out a course every couple months, something like that. Uh, I recently taught a live course to through the um, Direct Marketing Association of Northern California. Um, and I, I'm looking to create some more courses too, and, and I'm open to collaborating with other teachers as well. Um, as for clients, generally they're, I would say, smaller, mid-sized SaaS companies, uh, but sometimes there are individuals that just want coaching or even marketing executives that uh, need assistance in developing their plans and things like that. Oh, that's actually, that's actually really cool. So, um, What's your pricing model? Uh, usually just billing hourly for the consulting because it's not, uh, for me, it, it's, you know, it's just sort of pocket money. Um, yeah. my, my real investment is my passive income from investments and from, from things like online courses and books and things like that. So is your, is your straight up hourly billing? Oh, got it. Is your, is your service like, um, it's accompanied by a course cause you still pretty much consult with them. Uh, no. So uh, usually, usually what happens with the consulting is I just get filled up too, too fast, and then I'm working more than I want to. So I just shut it off and, you know, go, go, don't accept any new clients for a while. So I'm really focused on trying to get more courses out there, more mm, got um, it. digital products. It basically just takes the work off your plate, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Right now I am open to consulting, but that, that may not last. So it, it's time consuming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's time consuming, but I, I, I appreciate the learnings because that helps me apply stuff. So I'm always up to speed uh, mm -hmm. with the latest things that are, are working. Do you have a value ladder? And if so, what does it look like? Uh, oh, in terms, in terms of me, like selling my own stuff. Yeah. So like an example would be like, um, you know, you might have a specific client you go for, maybe you bring them in for an entry level product. And then the long, you know, the relationship builds and over time, the LTV, the lifetime value grows because you sold them more expensive products, let's say. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with these types of funnels where, you know, you might provide an ebook for free and then and then you charge them for something and then you charge them for a course and then you charge them for a mastermind and this sort of stuff. But no, I, I don't have anything structured like that. Uh, okay. I probably would if I was if it was really set on maximizing income, uh, but I'm not. I, I'm for me, I, I'm more interested in learning and being able to to sell the things that I've learned and apply it. It also it also kind of seems comprehensible. Like you're you're offering something pretty simplistic, and it's kind of there's not a bunch of moving parts. It seems like, and that can get kind of confusing. I feel. Yeah, to be able to sell a course is pretty simplistic. It's it's a single package. Yeah, I feel like the hardest part about courses is like the work you have to put in to build it. Cause you got to really think about what kind of information is there, but, um, once it's there, it's just reusable. Exactly. What's the biggest needle mover for you right now in your business? And what's the one thing you do to generate the most revenue? Um, so the biggest needle mover that I'm really focused on right now is uh, reach reach campaigns that are not designed to get, um, transactions immediately or not designed to get responses, but hardcore brand advertising. That's, that's where my focus is. Can you elaborate on that? Cause I don't normally hear, cause you're in marketing and I don't normally hear people 
usually it's a joke. It's like, if you optimize your campaigns for like clicks or reach, most marketers are like, oh my God, no, you know, don't do that. Got to be conversions, conversions. Um, can you just like elaborate a bit more of, have you just found kind of like, it's more of a value upfront thing and they just kind of get to know you and then the credibility is built and they just buy from you eventually? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I was definitely in that boat uh, where, yeah, it's kind of a joke, right? Brand advertising. It's just a bunch of fluff, creative nonsense. But when you contextualize it and you understand the role that it plays uh, and you're not just doing it in isolation, then it's really, it's how you go big. It's, it's, it's very, very difficult to go big if you're only focused on direct response, transactional types of marketing, which, which is where, you know, I focused for a lot of my career too. Wow. So the, the, I mean, if you really want to have a big impact, you need to focus on where the big demand is and the big demand is going to be people that aren't going to buy from you right away. Right. It's, you know, in B2B 95% of people that, uh, 95% of your market is not in market. So in order to hit them, you do things like reach campaigns. And one of, the, one of the biggest challenges when you're doing things like Facebook advertising, LinkedIn advertising, and even more so Google advertising is that you just, um, you don't get enough reach. Too much obsession with just responses, not enough focus on just influencing as many people as possible. That is so interesting. See, like, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you a lot of marketers are like, you need to do conversion and stuff. And usually it's like a short-term thing, but I feel like if you are able to put the gap between they don't know who you are to the credibility, well, first of all, it's probably less expensive doing the reach campaigns, but that's really interesting. I'm, I'm glad you shared that. I've never really, didn't really have the mindset before, but you've been doing this for so long. Even go ahead. You need to contextualize it though, right? Like let's just say you're a freelancer and all you want is a few clients, you know, don't go do a big reach campaign, right? If you only need a few clients, you can just send 200 cold emails automatically. And it's all about transactional responses, right? Are people interested? And then you'll get your couple clients. But if you really want to grow big, and that's kind of what I'm interested in now, I'm, I don't need short-term revenue. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm not exactly. Hungry. I agree. With, I agree with that. That actually kind of goes in the next question. Um, you kind of mentioned the marketing strategy that you do, um, but does what's kind of the main area where you get all your kind of the start of your conversations? Like where do people usually reach out to you from like these branding campaigns? Is it usually Facebook? I know you're saying about LinkedIn. Well, it kind of depends. Like if you're talking about me and my consulting services or me and my courses or for my, my SaaS clients that I work with. Uh, so it really varies. So like, we can dive a little bit deeper. How does that marketing strategy start the conversations? Does um, it usually, does it usually come up with like, hey, I saw you on, I saw this ad from you, or I saw you over here, wanted to reach out and learn more. Like, how does that usually, how do they usually reach out? What's kind of like the tipping point? A lot of people lately have been reaching out to me because they saw my Udemy courses like you did. Um, mm -hmm. Some people reach out to me because they just see my content on LinkedIn because I'm, I'm always on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, other people, you know, when I was doing a lot of consulting work, you get like referrals and things like that. Oh, right. For sure. So what's the most successful automation you've set up in your business that either saves you the most time or makes you the most money? 
I worked with a lot of automations, like email automation saves a ton of time, cold email automation. Um, as long as you use a program like Lemlist. Uh, advertising, Lemlist? it's Lemlist, yeah. What I, is... I, I'm not endorsing Lemlist specifically, but any any program like Lemlist would be mm. fine, like Mailshake or Outreach or Sales Loft. Oh, I see what you're saying. I think those, okay. those save a lot of time. But in general, just advertising itself is an automated way to scale. People don't think of it as automation, but really that's what it is. And I actually think marketers, you know, this is my, my biased point of view. Um, and, you know, you can, anyone listening can disagree with me on this, but content marketing is, to me, the opposite of automation. It's, it, you almost become addicted to cranking out more and more content, whereas advertising is uh, the epitome of automation. You just take a piece of content, you distribute it to a million people. Right. It's... Do you feel like there's a right way to do content? Like, is it, are you kind of the Gary, do you kind of agree more with like a Gary Vee type of thing where it's like, just pump out content, 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 or no, is your strategy more geared towards like, Gary I've, I've heard him say that. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, just post a hundred posts a day and then just make it happen. Don't even overthink it. Are you more methodical with your content that you put out? So you might put less, but you just make sure it's really high value. I'd be much more in that boat. Yeah. So the thing with Gary, I mean, he, he's very successful, right? But he, his, his, he runs a media company, right? And what, what media companies do is they crank out more and more content. But if you're like a business-to-business -business SaaS company or an e-commerce company, you're not a media company. And, and this is, again, a biased point of view, which I know a lot of people listening may disagree with me on this, is I don't think that businesses like SaaS software businesses or whatever industry you're in should be a media business. Media is a very competitive industry to be in. There's a trend that's saying that, you know, all, all companies should be media companies, but I, I disagree with it. I think it's inefficient. So just your advice, your, maybe your suggestion would be don't pump out content just for the sake of pumping out content. I, yeah. well, I think I, that's also, I think is a, something that is very easily adopted for new people because it's really easy to go on like TikTok or something and just pump out a ton of content and then just expect that that's going to carry their brand in a certain way or, or get people, you know, in the month, they're going to have a million followers or something like that. Well, I think um, HubSpot, you know, and I, I like HubSpot, you know, I, I, I use mm. HubSpot with companies and it's great, but when they, when they first started uh, promoting this idea of cranking out content, um, I, I think they hoodwinked a lot of people because it, it's basically just offloading all the cost to your own labor. And that's, that's not cheap. Yeah. It also, there's, I feel like there's an anxiety part to it sometimes too. Like it's easy to just kind of impulsively make something and throw it out there good or good or not. And it takes time to do a simple task, like write a good quality, you know, it, LinkedIn post, put some thought into it, really add something that, you know, if someone's scrolling through LinkedIn, they might go, oh, you know, I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit Decker up. I feel like when I put, yeah. I feel like when I put time into my content, it works, it works better. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is cranking out a bunch of, you know, posts is fun. And that's why a lot it's of people fun. do it. Right. And if you're honest with yourself that that's why you're doing it, then go ahead. But if, if you're serious about how do I reach more people, um, you know, you're going to be a little more methodical. Like you said, that, that, that tends to work better. Okay. I have to ask TikTok or no TikTok. 
Uh, so I've experimented with TikTok. The problem I've had with it is the geo-specificity. So I was in Peru, for example, and Peruvians speak Spanish. My content's in English. Um, mm. Now, you can probably circumvent that by using VPNs and stuff. Uh, but uh, if you're able to reach the right people, I, I think TikTok can be, can be great. It's also underexploited on competitive um, channels. So there, there should be an opportunity there. But again, don't get, I, I wouldn't, if you're trying to be profitable, I wouldn't just try to crank out more and more content because that, that's expensive. When you actually yeah. add up the amount of billable time that you're, you spend doing that, it's, it may not be worth it. But if you like it, who cares, right? Have fun. Before we move to the next question, it was sort of, I just want to share something. It was sort of interesting. I was on, I was on TikTok scrolling around because we're building some strategies around that. And I'm starting to notice all these huge companies joining. And it's really funny because Amazon just joined, um, United Airlines just joined, and they're, I mean, they're big companies. And they're building their social media up in a way that sort of seems like they're just learning. And you can kind of see it. And it, it also looks like they're having a lot of fun because these commercials and content they put out just looks like they have, you know, just some employee that they picked just making content for them. <laughs> You're the TikTok <laughs> guy. Okay. Have fun. <laughs> it's like the wild west, right? It is like That's the wild what's west. so cool about new channels, new marketplaces, new technologies. Is there's, there's a lot more room to just sort of experiment and evolve, right? Things aren't as yeah. formalized. Yeah. And I think I just bring that up just because I wanted to kind of go a little further with the content quality and stuff. And just, it is exciting to see where things are going and people are kind of uh, transitioning a bit and trying new things. And it's just kind of going to settle into something unique. And it's just exciting to see where that turns out to. Okay. What does your sales process look like? Um, is it in Zoom? Do you do demos? How long is it? So it, it depends what I'm selling. Um, if we're talking about my consulting, I don't, I don't do free consultations. I don't do proposals. I mean, I've done it in the past, but I basically just charge. I start billing time as soon as people have a meeting with me, which would be a Google, a Google meet or, or a Zoom. Oh, um, now as for a lot of my clients, it's the sales process is usually contact us, request a demo, sign up for a free trial. And you get on a conversation with the salesperson, a consultant, or uh, an SDR or something like that. It's generally what the process looks like. Now, in the past, when I was focused on, you know, like a decade ago, trying to get big contracts, and by big, I mean like, say, 20 grand, something like that, um, then what I would do is a free consultation and a proposal. Uh, and then hopefully you win the proposal, or in some cases, an RFP too. And you were billing from the first meeting? Uh, not then, now. Wow. You got to make a course on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, it depends on your strategy, right? If you want to yeah. be like McKinsey and company and get million dollar engagements, you're not going to get there by charging from the initial consultation. But if your model is more like a doctor or a veterinarian or something, then you know, they don't offer free consultations. So you shouldn't either. So, I mean, both, both systems work. Just depends on what your needs are and how big the contracts are. Right. What's your current follow-up method or retargeting strategy to reach back out to people that haven't purchased yet? Um, so personally with, with my services and products, I don't do a lot of that. Um, with some of my clients, for example, 
with like low ticket software, uh, just doing retargeting through Google, doing retargeting through Facebook, uh, some retargeting through LinkedIn advertising as well. Um, follow-ups, I, I generally have at least one follow-up with cold email campaigns because I've seen that's sort of a, a critical amount that you need to be able to get meaningful responses, particularly when I'm reaching out to like key influencers. Having just one follow-up can make a huge difference and I automate that uh, sometimes. Uh, if, 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 the, if the product or the accounts are low value, then it can be fully automated. And if it's, if it's like a, an influencer with you know, 10 million followers, then I'll just do it manually through email. Thanks. Usually you follow up maybe after about a week in most instances. Do you have to do a lot of follow-up before you get a client or is it pretty standard? Do you kind of have a standard set of follow-ups you do? Personally, no, I, I don't do any aggressive salesmanship at all. I don't even do proposals. It's if you want to work with me, you pay me. Uh, that, wow. that's, just, that's my situation, right? I'm right. one person. Right. Okay, next question. How much revenue has your company generated in the last 12 months? I'm not going to answer that question. Okay. <laughs> but I've, I've, worked, I've worked with companies of varying revenue, Fortune 100 to... Uh, negative, <laughs> negative money companies. Like so it's that. more than one, one dollar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect. Um, what's the realistic revenue goal you see yourself in twelve months from today? Um, I, I don't, I don't know if you're, you're talking about me personally or with. Other yeah, people. like where you're at today in the next twelve months. And you, you don't have to say a number necessarily if you don't want to. But what's kind of like uh, maybe percentage? Like, you know, in the next 12 months, I really like to see getting to, you know, 25% more revenue. Well, I have, I have pretty comfortable passive income right now where I don't really need to be focused on working. Uh, but I suppose if I, if I doubled my, my revenue, which is basically profit for most of my revenue, then um, like passive revenue, that would mm. be a meaningful achievement, I would say. Okay. Well, that kind of goes to the next question. I don't know if this is going to apply though, but I'll ask it. Um, so if you did have a goal in the next 12 months, and let's just say you was to reach a certain revenue goal of, you know, I would like to get the consulting thing or the course thing to a certain thing. If you were going to do that, like, what do you feel like, what would you need to change in order to achieve that? So the, the big thing, the big, paradigm shift that I'm focused on is how do I reach as many people in the TAM, total addressable market as possible. Hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, the, 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 the big change, you know, I've made a lot of strategic shifts, right? Focusing on content that has high demand, kind of letting the other stuff die off. Now it's more of how do I reach as many people in the market as possible? And avoid, uh, what, now this is pretty technical in terms of advertising, but one of my biggest concerns is how do I keep the frequency low? Because a lot of advertising systems will jack up the frequency much higher than you need and you're, you're overpaying mm. for it. So what I need to do is increase the reach uh, without bad, bad targeting. And, and often tools like Facebook have bad targeting. Twitter, I've had terrible experiences with Twitter targeting. Mm. What's the number one tip you can give a new business that will save years of wasted time? 
think when you're a new business and you're a small business, you're an underfunded business, focus on sales generating activities rather than distractions, which would be um, big capital expenditures like uh, a website that costs say five, $10,000, uh, brand building when you don't even really know if what you're about but things like cold email, I would say, should be a focus because those are directly tied to to sales. But people want to do the fun things, right? They want to get their logo right. They want to write cool content. Uh, they want to do all this and that. And, and in some cases, that makes sense, right? If you're selling fashion, you have to focus on your brand. Uh, if you're doing e-commerce, you know, your websites, you have to get your website right. But it's also it's also instant. It's like you have this quick little social wall. They kind of go, I just started my own business check me out, Google me, you know, it's, yeah, it's exciting yeah. at first. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. It's fun. So sales isn't always fun. What, what is that? <laughs> sales is not always fun, but it pays the bills. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's probably just the most awkward, uncomfortable thing you have to learn. If you want to like get started in business, it's completely just this like animal of a thing. You just have to get past. Yeah. Oh, for sure. What's your favorite software tool you use in your business? My favorite. Yeah. I, I, Which one do you just think about and you're like, that's the one. This is a cheesy answer, but just the Google suite. I mean, it, it's everything <laughs> centralized. You have one login. Yeah. I mean, I've used HubSpot. I used Outreach. I've used Lemlist. I've used, you know, Salesforce, all of these, but I don't know. I just, I like Google suite. Oh my God. So funny. That's, that's another good answer. Um, okay. Last question. <laughs> last question. It's kind of a follow-up question to the, uh, what's the number one tip to give new business owners. You mentioned sales generating, uh, like, uh, revenue generating tasks or activities. How do you know how, what's a good little, um, kind of like a structure to go through to kind of know what they are and for like a new person not knowing anything they're like why what is a sales producing activity like what's just the basic does it quickly where do i start lead to a, a sales meeting basically does it lead to a sales meeting yeah so something like a google ad leads to a sales meeting a response to a cold email leads to a sales meeting um using intent data and promoting your consultation as an offer to people that have intent through something like direct mail and the people respond to it and they book time on your, your calendar, that's, that's revenue generating activity. Uh, sending out proposals with you know, big dollar figures on them for prospects to sign off on, that's revenue generating activity. Anything that feeds the sales pipeline, unless you're and if you're B2C, it's actually selling stuff, right? You gotta sell yeah. on your website. And basically avoid managing your emails is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, there's so many distractions, right? Like just managing your emails, writing tons of stuff, getting obsessed with fun things. Yeah. I feel like once you get past it, it becomes, becomes more fun. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. Thank you so much for joining. Um, everyone listening in, if you are just joining now and didn't already realize this, it, we have Decker Frazier on with us. He's a marketing teacher with 170,000 students worldwide coming in from Bangkok. Decker, thank you again. I hope you had a good time. 
And I hope you will do this again sometime soon. I did. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Talk to you later. Want more of Marketer's Mindset? Join our private Facebook group where agencies from all over the world share strategies, network, and scale their business together. Visit facebook.com slash groups slash Marketer's Mindset to get instant access. Also, if this podcast impacted you in any way, please share it with friends and leave us a review on iTunes as that really helps build our community.